Very special episode today. We're going to talk about the themes and we're going to take a deeper dive into some of the main issues that arise from me watching one of my favourite TV series. There's two series and let's see if you can guess which one it is. You guessed it, The Office from 2002 and 2003. Just 12 episodes made with two Christmas specials in the end, but a, a fantastic show written by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Both went on to make millions out of the show. And I want to chat to you a little bit about um, what the series brings home to me, the sort of themes and what it raises more than anything for me. Now, there's a little bit of a risk attached to this show because you might not have watched it. Or you might not like Ricky Gervais because he does tend to be a little bit of a Marmite character. And in 2022, there are warnings on BBC iPlayer. You can go and watch them all on BBC iPlayer. And there's warnings about discriminatory language, contains discriminatory language. And let's just say Ricky Gervais, especially at the beginning of his career, certainly to this day he does it, but back then I guess he somewhat had you know very little to lose in taking risks with what people might consider political correctness of the day and don't forget this was a time where you had shows like little britain getting made and they've had david williams and matt lucas have had to since give very full apologies and those shows aren't really shown today because they were seen as taking the mick out of stereotypes so that's the the context that we're going to come into this as but one of the, the things that i do when i have a tv program that i enjoy particularly the office so the thing about it is is that it appears so real you know when it first came out People didn't know the actors because none of them were, were were that famous at the time. And people were like, it's kind of outrageous, but is this like a, a documentary? And like, because the mockumentary style wasn't a sort of a thing. And they produced it with, they only had like one camera. So they had to make use of the fact there was only one camera. So it was shot very much as if somebody was just walking around recording people during the day. And that kind of gives it an authenticity in a way. Uh, it was actually a practical decision, but it gives it an authenticity in that at first people who didn't know better didn't realise it was just completely made up. Didn't know any of these people and were like, this is kind of like, could this possibly be real? And one of the things that, you know, ever since then, it was like the first reality TV show in a way, is reality TV was just coming out. So the notion that people were just interesting because you watched them and the fact that and what he picked up on really cleverly was that that kind of thing where somebody gets a camera out and people start to show off a little bit and perform while they're sort of glancing at the camera and that was like a big no-no you know you don't break the third wall when you're on tv but they not only broke the third wall they used it as part of the show to make it appear like it was real and it was almost like an observational comedy where how people react. But there were certain things that, as a viewer, we don't need to worry about. So, for example, the character, when you look at the... And a small spoiler alert here, but what's actually happening throughout the show is that the company is restructuring. And one of the branches, one's in Swindon, one's in Slough, one branch is going to eat the other branch. And the staff from one or the other is going to have to relocate. So completely change their lives completely. 
and they're going to have to come if they want to keep their job to work as part of a one larger branch, which presumably cuts costs in terms of office stuff and like that. But again, a testament to Ricky Gervais's writing and something that we have to be aware of in our own life is that we always have to worry in our own life about the detail. Whereas in this show, it, the move just happens and it's more about the comedy surrounding it happening. We don't have to worry about them, you know, moving. You know, we, we don't have to think about changes to personal lives that might have occurred because back in those days, it was prior to FaceTime, certainly a long time before Zoom, Teams. It was very much uh, the early days of the internet. Um, all of the screens on it, which is quite nice for me to look back, uh, is all the kind of very square, large monitors. There was no slimline monitors, no wireless mice or mouses, I don't know what the correct term of that is, no wireless keyboards or anything like that. It was very much the, the old style stuff. And because they used it as a paper merchant, that was designed to be boring. But what it was also designed to do was that the work didn't get in the way. So for us as real people, and I'm mindful of this, I like The Office because it comes across as simple. And I always think, oh, I'd love to work at Wernham Hogg. Like, that just seems like such a nice place to work. But one of the themes that, that comes out as well is that we do have to worry about the detail. You know, we do have stress. We do have deadlines. And one of the comic parts of the show is is the David Brent character played by Gervais getting wrong from Neil, who's the area manager. And one of the times he gets really wrong and actually gets a verbal warning is because he just hasn't done a report that, that Neil's asked for. And he challenges him to say, like, you know, where is it? Is it done? And he sort of tries to get out of it, and he gets he gets told off pretty sternly, and in the end made redundant because they just don't like the fact that he's negligent. And that's actually an interesting, you know, warning that ultimately, you know, we are accountable for the work that we do, and that does come with stress. You know, we can't just focus on... Um, entertainment, enjoying ourselves. There has to be a balance. And I think that's a key theme of it as well. Um, and also what's interesting is that the, the David Brent character, and the bit this is the bit that kind of the show doesn't get right, I think, but it's it's more about the comedy. And it's a feature of Gervais's writing, actually, and other things that he's done where he will miss certain um, details out that, that he doesn't need to say. You know, he doesn't, create a scene that isn't required but actually Gervais the David Brent character is so buffoonery and not popular like for a start that seems exaggerated because when you actually see him you realize that yeah he's a bit of a he's not that you know he's a bit weird and a bit sort of too much but he's not unlikable to the fact that everybody would hate him also he tends to say something and everyone just looks and, and like that kind of silent reaction but there would be more pushback in real life if someone like that was the way that he is in the show. So that's, again, part of the fiction that's slightly different. But also, like, he gets offered a really, really good job as a sort of promotion. The board votes five to two in his favour. And you're thinking, well, how does that happen? Because if everyone who knows him hates him, they presumably know him to offer him the job. So why do they like him? Why do they feel in a, in a branch that's underperforming do they think he's suitable to get promoted? So that stuff's kind of like, that's where it sort of slips into complete fiction. Like, I'm not saying I think it's real or anything, but there's a point where it becomes entertainment. So we can only take the themes out of this so far. But one of the things that I like about it is it just, it comes across like it's a nice work environment where the people are all right. 
and it's, it looks like a fun place to work. Um, but what we actually see is a snapshot of time. And another theme that I think they do really well is that in season two, and I'll come on to that now, is that some characters in the second series have moved on. Now, that was probably to do with decisions by the writer, by Ricky and by Stephen, to say they didn't want certain characters to return. But also certain characters, you know, certain actors would have been unavailable or they didn't think they were very good or whatever. And they brought other people in. But actually, that reflects similar to real life, that there's a constant turnover of, of staff and of colleagues. And sometimes you can have, um, like in my previous job, we had our staff team together for pretty much for seven years. And the, the office manager was quite wealthy to begin with in, in my job. This is where I worked in from 2010. And she stayed right to the end of, of um, the MP retiring. And the other team just sort of stayed as well because it was quite a nice nice place to work and we all just stuck together. And it became like a little family. We were together for like seven years and then everyone just went off in their own directions and the weeks go by quickly and suddenly I look back and think, wow, it's almost five years since we all went our separate ways. Now, five years before when we started in 2010 was 2005, obviously. And the people who she worked with then, she wouldn't have probably met for coffee. And that's the situation I found that I've only met her once since then. And it's kind of, you always have to remember, and this isn't a cynical point, it's just a practical point, that you're always, um, you know, you, you, they're not your family. Your work's not your family. You've got to make sure that you, you know, don't put too much into your work relationships. Yes, go and have a drink, but people will move on. People will go the, their own direction in life. They'll move across to a, a a better position that they feel will meet their professional goals quickly because you don't have a lot of time. That's one of the things, I think a theme that reminds me in the office is that big change can happen quickly. You know, he's sitting in his office one day and they come in and make him redundant. And it's actually an interesting point to note that, and this can, again, I'm conscious that this may may sound negative, but it, it isn't, it's, it's practical. And we've always got to be mindful that we just, when you're not in a position where you're self-sufficient, you're disposable by the company insofar as you're in their hands. It's their decision. So yes, of course, they can be very, very positive about you and value you greatly. And I think in most cases, certainly in the position I work in now, that's the case. You know, you're valued for the work that you do and you're employed because they believe you can do it well. But at the same time, if if the company fell into hard times, they would. the reality is that cuts would be made in terms of staff numbers and I wouldn't be the last man standing or wouldn't be the last person standing because I'm not in a you know I'm not senior enough in the business where they would 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 keep me on so it's kind of <clears throat> keeping that kind of balance in your mind and that practical knowledge that you know you're never as secure I think these days in a position as what you think and performance does matter so when we're discussing how to you know have the right attitude, how to appear to be having the right attitude and how to genuinely do things well in a professional way. That's the reason, because you're protecting your own future. But I think ultimately the goal for everyone should be, you know, thinking about looking for ways to maybe build or have a go at your own business. And that's kind of going to be the, the theme of what I talk about in, in, in the future on some of the podcasters is looking for those opportunities. So <clears throat> in terms of the, back to the office, a lot of what I like about it is the fact that it strips away the things that maybe are hard in real life. And that's the beauty of TV. You know, you don't have to worry about certain elements of 
of what's going on. There's a lot of upheaval in that show. You know, there's a, there's a relationship that goes wrong through the main thread, the main love story between Tim and Dawn. We as viewers are rooting for them to get together and they eventually do at the end of the, of the Christmas special in series two, the end of the second part. But actually when that happens, and it's quite an interesting thought, is that effectively she leaves with her current boyfriend. In the car she realises she doesn't want the future that she's heading to and comes back, gets Tim, gives him a kiss and they leave together. And we presume could be anything from going home to consummate the relationship to just talking about things. But you don't see what happens to the ex-boyfriend. Is he just going to, after five or six years, just walk away? Is there a confrontation the next day that we, that we don't see? Or does she then realise that she doesn't want to be with him? I mean, we all presume that that's the, the happily ever after moment. But again, we don't see the detail. And this is the problem. In your own life, you cannot escape the detail. In fact, it's all you have. So, you know, like I say, we, we see things from a certain prism. And it's also worth noting that when we're looking outwards at other things, whether that be television or other people's lives or, or our work situation or, or our business, we're seeing things through our own perspective. And it's always a good idea to kind of widen our own perspective as best we can to to see more or to see it from a different angle. I always try and do what I call cognitive rotation. I always try and flip it over and think, what would I see if I saw it from another point of view? I remember playing a game of chess against a friend of mine. He's a very, very, very good player. And he beats me easily every most times. Um, and we played through a game and I thought I was doing quite well. And when I, when I reviewed the game afterwards, I played it. From, I was the black pieces and I, and I turned the board over and I played it from the white pieces. And as the game progressed, it looked completely different. And it looked like all the way through that I was losing handsomely and it was quite interesting I just didn't see it at the time but when I played the game through it wasn't nearly as close as I expected and as I was looking at it from the white players point of view from the other side of the board I, I would have been far more comfortable that I was as white winning and that actually I Malcolm was black and was losing much much earlier than what I realized it from the other side and that can so you can often get good clarity from a, a quick cognitive rotation of any situation and a, an answer can pop out that doesn't you know it can be good or bad but it, it's often a bit clearer from the other point of view so that's a little tip to try <coughs> excuse me so i'm going to end it there because it's just morning here and uh, time to get ready for work etc but i hope you found that helpful if you haven't seen the office it was something just a little bit different i appreciate a little bit of risk involved that you might have found you know you might not like the show so you find the concept completely alien or irrelevant to you but if you haven't seen it and you can look beyond any dislike of Ricky Gervais himself, because like I say, he's a little bit of a Marmite guy, um, you will find it entertaining. And actually, some of the kind of observational, situational things in an office environment, you probably will be able to relate to. And another issue that I haven't talked about is just the passing of time. You know, it's 20 years ago now, and it does remind me that, you know, Issues that we care about now are only relevant to us now. And whilst they do matter greatly because they are in the present, time is, is is always going on. So that helps us out. I was dreading a meeting the other day. Now it's over. And, you know, should I have been dreading it? Probably not. But, you know, we're humans at the end of the day and we will. But, yeah, it's just a snapshot of time. And uh, it's often fun to just observe it. And I'm always fascinated, as you know, by actors and what they did next and... I don't think there's any... I would love to talk more about this, but it's not really relevant for this podcast. But for me, it's absolutely fascinating that actors, you know, a year and 52 weeks, they have to do so many different things to stay afloat. And 
it's it must be you know in my life I'm someone who can sit back and have a quiet few months you know I can sit back and just do my do my job um and then three or four months can pass by and that's fine because I just kick back and don't worry too much but if you're an actor and you do that you're just at home and you're not doing anything so that kind of requirement to just keep hustling you know is is a totally different approach to life than I think that I take and, and, and one that I greatly admire but I think for them that the passing of time must be you know that constant need to find work and uncertainty and you know it, it's it's a totally different experience I think and mindset that I have but I would love to speak to an actor I saw a great one with Ethan Lawrence who's the the sort of comic character in Afterlife he's a big guy and he used to. He said he worked as a pizza delivery guy for for quite a while as he was trying to break into the acting industry, and for him, he said he's aware of the kind of the ongoing hustle to find work, and I think it really will test your character in a, in a very fundamental way if you have that, if you're in that line of work because it's a horrible industry. You know, you can walk into the room and it can just say ah, too small, too fat, too ginger, too anything, wrong skin color, you know. So it's kind of quite a, a very abrasive way. I think you've got to be very sure of yourself if you're in that industry. Um, and even the most talented people, some people get parts very easily and other people don't. And I think, yeah, it's quite... I would love to shadow someone for a, a week or a month to see how they live as an actor, as how that works. Because looking at some of the cast in the office, they've, a lot of them have been in fairly consistent work right through. But like four or five jobs a year, that's still you know, say 10 days, if it's like smallish parts, maybe one day on the set. So what are they doing for the rest of the time? And a lot of them have jobs that we don't know about. But for me, it's always really interesting to see what's life really like because the, the gap between, for me, is how honest you are as a person to that inner struggle is, is a really interesting debate that we could have. But uh, I'm going to leave it there. Definitely check out The Office. It's a fabulous show. But... Uh, Again, unpicking that in terms of applying concepts to our own life, we can be very honest about why it's harder for us for our lives and, you know, get tips and ideas from anywhere because any bit of learning helps. Thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you on the next, probably more conventional, Let's Take a Moment podcast. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.